0: Hi, I'm Barnaby Cook, and welcome to The Exit Plan, a podcast for business owners that are interested in learning more about how to sell their business. Each episode, I interview someone who's bought or sold a business, either a creative agency or a production company. The conversation gets under the skin of why they wanted to sell or were looking to acquire, how the deal was structured, how they agreed upon a valuation, and what lessons they learned along the way. Here we go. On today's episode, I speak with Emmy Faust, a mother of four and a serial entrepreneur, who takes us on her journey of setting up, running and exiting four businesses. Emmy shares how she founded Jack Media, a successful media agency with about 10 employees and the moment she decided to sell the business. She talks about founding GDM, a programmatic advertising business, which was eventually sold for 7 million, and a little side hustle into affiliate marketing. For Groupon, which her and her business partner ran for 18 months and made about a million quid in profit. It's impressive stuff. Since then, Emmy has made about 25 angel investments in the past year in female founded businesses. And she talks to me about her current venture, Female Founders Rise, a community and support network for female entrepreneurs. This is a good one, folks, and I hope you enjoy our conversation.
1: Hi, I'm Emmy. So Emmy Faust and I am a mum of four. I will say that first because I think that's the most fun, challenging and important book. And then I am also a founder an exited founder of multiple businesses. I'm now founder of Female Founders Rise, which is a community for over 2000 female founders. I have done quite a lot of small angel investments in the last year into female founders and That's probably also been on Dragon's Den. um, Got the biggest investment ever at the time, which was £200,000. That business didn't work out. But then we went on to have quite a few successful businesses after that. So I think we learned quite a bit from that.
0: Cool. So can you tell me a bit about the sort of early days of your career then? What was the first business that you founded?
1: Yeah. So before I started setting up businesses, I always loved work. I was always interested in that. And I did some work for this woman called Anna, who was amazing. She was really successful. She was doing really well. That was sort of field marketing. So we were going out and selling credit cards, getting people to sign up for credit cards at the time that credit cards were really high interest rate and people could transfer their balances over and pay no interest. And I did that all through uni and I ended up making quite a lot of money from that. And I really was inspired by her and what she was doing. And... I think she probably gave me the like inspiration to like see that it was possible to run successful business. She had two babies at the time. So she was sort of looking after those at the same time as running this business. And she taught, she looked after us all really well. And we loved that. And then that was sort of like through uni. And then basically a friend of mine was working for an online gambling business, having an amazing time traveling the world. This was like 20 years ago and it was like right at the forefront. And I basically came out of uni, didn't have a job, and just said, I want to do what you're doing. It looks really fun. And got a job with him, did lots of super cool things, ended up moving to Gibraltar, where that all happened. And to cut a long story short, after about two years there in sort of marketing, I decided I want to move back to the UK. And that almost coincided with me going to an awards ceremony with one of my agencies and me and the guy there who was working at the agency, we just both had a few drinks and we were just like, let's just set up an agency ourselves. And that night we basically decided we would. And then the next day, pretty much we set it up, didn't know what to call it. Because we were working with gambling clients, we called it Jack Media, just from like Jack and playing cards. And because we just literally needed a domain. I mean, there was like no thought gone into any of this. It was just like, let's get domain. We already had clients, I think, because he had all these contacts. and pretty much started our agency about I think a month later or something. We were both only twenty five, so you were, were twenty five at
0: the time. Yeah. So okay. we just like really So he distant. so he had the client That's amazing. Yeah,
1: I was just gonna say like you know when you're really young, you have no responsibilities, no mortgage, no kids, you're like out getting pissed every night, having a laugh and it just didn't even seem like a thing. It was just literally like, well let's just do it, let's set it up, get a domain name, boom, we're off and we were off. And we had all our clients prepaying us. So we had money in the bank from day one.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I was 25 when I started my first business as well. And I think you've just got nothing to lose, really, have you? Other yeah. than Like you just need to sort of be able to support yourself a year or two. <laughs> um,
1: exactly. So I think we paid ourselves.
0: No mortgage, no kids. Exactly. Responsibility.
1: So I think initially we paid ourselves, I don't know, like 10 grand. A year. We paid ourselves the minimum. And obviously, if you're working in the service-based business, all you need is a laptop and we ended up getting some office space, super cheap from some people that we knew. And yeah, then it wasn't long after that we were able to pay ourselves a proper salary. So that didn't, that sort of minimal salary didn't last for long, which was
0: good. So is that a business that you eventually sold? sold?
1: That was a business that, Yeah, that was kind of like our first business. And then from that, we would basically incubate businesses. I mean, we didn't realize that's what we were doing, but we would, see ideas or opportunities in the marketplace and we like test them out on the side maybe put a couple probably normally about 10k towards it we obviously had like teams of people and stuff like that working for us like afterwards so that was the first one and then from that would spawn the other things that we did just
0: timing wise so you had jack the agency did you exit that and then start incubating no no
1: no we're doing it all the same time so we had jack media and Before I met Ed and we sat Jack Media, I'd started this comparison site for online gambling, which I just didn't really have a clue about how to build websites or affiliate marketing or anything like that. But I knew lots of people that did. And we set up Jack Media. And then basically, I loved Dragon's Den. And so I applied for Dragon's Den. This was like 20 years ago when Dragon's Den was like really much newer. And I sort of didn't know if it was real. So I thought, well, I'm just going to apply on a whim. And I thought, I'm not going to use Jack Media because that's like a legitimate business. I'll use this little passion project. Well, not even a passion project because I don't like online gambling. I'll use this little project, which was called Gaming Alerts. And I applied for that for Dragon's Den. And basically, to cut a long story short, we got through. And then we got funding of 200 grand. But we'd never actually made any money in that business. It was very early stage. It was,
0: Who was it? You know, that invested? invested in
1: us, Theo. Which- So I basically said we wanted two hundred grand for ten percent and then this was like having no cute clue about valuing businesses or anything. But then I was like, Well, if I'm asking for two hundred grand for ten percent, the business has to be valued at two million I did economics accounting and also I'd kind of worked out some basics. So I'd gone on valuing the business at two million, but we'd never actually made any money. We're like really, really early days and it was just like a basic comparison site. But there was loads of affiliates making loads of money, so I basically managed to persuade them that it was a good opportunity. So oh it's really
0: interesting because most people set up a business or an agency and focus on growing that agency, but it sounds like you sort of quite quickly got into Well that was um, kind of a mistake. Businesses. Well, like how-
1: yeah, that I think the, the gaming allowance one was a mistake and a distraction because I just was being silly and applying to Dragon's and not wanting to use our real agency. And basically we were never expecting to get through, never expecting to get the money and we did. So that was then a distraction and that one ended up failing. But then we carried on growing Jack Media. So we set that up, I think, in like 2005 or 2006. Um, we carried on growing that. And then we met this guy, this amazing guy. I don't remember what his name was. My business partner's friend. And he said, you always want to have two agents. You always want to have two businesses on the go. One that you're selling and one that you're building up so that you're like never like left like you sell a business and then you haven't got anything there. And I think that's quite a good idea. It's also very distracting. And actually, that's what ended up happening. Like, as we were exiting Jack Media, our other business was coming up. I think it was distracting at times having multiple businesses, but you know, we were like, we didn't really like Jack Media because it was a gambling agency and I wasn't at all passionate about gambling. It was just the industry I'd landed in after university. My business partner was okay about it, but essentially it's really hard to make money in an agency. You know, We were only charging 15% fees. We didn't have any of our clients on contracts, really. They did all prepay us, so that was really great. But it was hard to make money. We were pretty successful. We were turning over good money, we were taking really good salaries, we were doing really well with it. But my business partner especially was like really driven, like wanting more. And we would just always be looking out for what's the next opportunity? Where else can we make money? So we ended up having another business called GDM Digital which we also sold. And then we also had a business called Mercer Media, which was a business that made a huge amount of money in a very short amount of time. And then we liquidated it. And that was just an internet hack with Groupon, where we were basically an, an affiliate to Groupon and, and made loads of money for them driving themselves because they weren't actually doing any marketing themselves.
0: Right, well, yeah. okay. Well, have I confused lot, a lot, you? A lot's pro- lot process. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, have a little, I confused a you? Bit. Okay, um, go back, go back. Starts yeah.
1: with Jack Media, all very so, nice and easy.
0: With Jack Media, what sort of size did you build it up to in terms of like turnover and employees and when?
1: I think it was about 10 people. I literally haven't got a clue what the turnover was. All I know is that we're paying ourselves good money and taking dividends every year. We ended up not selling that for that much money because basically what happened with Jack Media is we were looking for a buyer because we really didn't want to carry on doing it. And obviously when you're looking for a buyer, you're not anywhere near as attractive. And I think we were approached once and then that sort of fell through. And then we met an agency who are really strong in TV and we were really strong in digital and they didn't have any digital expertise. And what happened was we kind of talked about merging or them buying us. And we sort of did this merger where we merged with them, but you know not through any documentation. We just moved into their offices and we started working with their clients and they started working with our clients and vice versa. I can't even remember what we got paid for that. It wasn't a huge amount, but we weren't really happy with it. But I think, A, we were so desperate to get rid of it because we were so disinterested in gambling. B, we had another com- two other companies that were making really good money, like way more money. And C, we sort of got down the road with selling it. And we had these people like we'd almost like announced to our clients and to our staff that we'd merged. And it's kind of then really difficult to, by the time you then agree on terms and agree what you're like going to be sold for and all of the rest, I think we got less than we probably deserved or had hoped for. But we also were sort of like making loads of money on our other businesses. So we didn't really care that much.
0: Can you remember what the terms were of the sale?
1: There wasn't any earn out. The other thing was that my business partner and I were both running two businesses. In fact, I think we had three at one point, but one of them wasn't really taking much of our time, but Jack Media and GDM were both taking up, they were both businesses employing people. And rather than us both running both, we decided that Ed would run GDM and I would run Jack Media. And I think by this point, we were already merging and deciding that we we're sort of getting rid of that one. And I was pregnant with my third, I had just had two children. And at the time that we were going to sell it, when we agreed, I was 10 weeks pregnant or something. So I had to tell them. Because I thought, if I don't tell you and then I announce I'm pregnant, you might absolutely, they might have absolutely lost their, got super, I don't know. I was just like, I need to tell them the truth that I'm going to basically have a baby and I'm not going to be around as soon as I sell this business. But actually, I think that they quite were happy about that because they didn't want me. Ed was running the other business and actually they just wanted all of our staff. They wanted all our team. They wanted our digital team who are basically doing amazing work for their clients and they actually wanted me out in a way because they just wanted just to take the team and scoop that up. So I had my six months maternity leave and then they came back for six months, my six months earnout, and I literally did nothing. They didn't want me to do anything because they didn't want me to be part of their business, if that makes sense. It was kind of a bit of a lonely time actually that time. But I did sit on their board when I came back for six months and oversaw their digital strategy or whatever it was. But essentially they wanted to like, take the team, take the clients, take knowledge and move on. And actually, like, I'm strategy operations leader, CEO. I'm not going to get in down and dirty and do the sort of digital work. And they already had those leaders, so they didn't want me as well. And that was fine because I didn't want to continue working there.
0: So how many years in was this when you sold Jack Media?
1: I think that's probably about eight or nine years in. And then I think with GDM, it was about five or six. I mean, this is all like 10 years ago now that I sold it.
0: Yeah. So how far into Jack did you start GDM?
1: About five years.
0: Okay. And then tell me a bit about that business.
1: So when we were running Jack Medium and we had had investment from Theo, so I know this probably all sounds like totally bonkers and unbelievable because like looking back at it is all a bit mad, but... We went on Dragon's Den. We got our investment. Theo then said, I want you to move to Wimbledon. So we moved our business, Gaming Alerts, the one we got funding from Dragon's Den. Jack Media, we moved that to Wimbledon to be in the offices with him. And I can remember when we were in Wimbledon, probably three or four years after we set up Jack Media, programmatic advertising was literally just started. And my business partner was very, very into sort of tech and digital tech and you know he was in media planning and buying that's his expertise and I remember one of the guys working for us saying we should definitely be offering programmatic advertising so we set up GDM about five years into setting up Jack Media I don't know all the dates off the top of my head I mean literally this is like this is all like so far forgotten in the past I have zero interest in it apart from the fact I've got some money and um, so I think about five years into Jack Media, we set up GDM. GDM was Global Digital Markets. I don't know why we called it Global Digital Markets. Something to do with digital and global. But anyway, what we realized, someone in one of our team, we were obviously like buying, we were experts in digital media marketing right at the forefront when everything, you know, like 20 years ago, when gambling, so gambling, I suppose, was and porn were probably like the two leaders in digital marketing. And so we learned a huge amount from working in those industries, which we then obviously could take to other industries. So I'd say we we're kind of pretty much always at the forefront of what was going on. And we noticed that programmatic advertising was becoming a thing very much in its infancy. Someone that worked for us was saying, I really think you guys should get into this. You know, we definitely need to be offering it to our clients And as we looked into it, we realized that programmatic advertising was something we should be offering to our clients, but we only had like such a small number of clients and we were so niche in our gambling space and no one really understood how to like trade across the advertising exchanges and it was all new and it was all confusing, but we actually got to grips with how to do all of that. And we decided that rather than just selling to our clients, we set up a totally separate business so that we could sell to our clients, other clients, and other agencies, because obviously other agencies wouldn't have done it through Jack Media because it would have been a competitor. So people obviously did know, you know, it wasn't like some hidden thing that Jack Media and GDM have got different owners, because they had the same owners, but they were separate businesses, separate teams. And, you know, a lot of people didn't even look into it, but we ended up then working with some of the bigger agencies. We ended up doing work with, Some of the government agencies or the agencies that did all the work for the government, can't remember what they're called because they ended up going under. I something I think they're called, I can't remember. But Anyway, we ended up sort of partnering with and being the programmatic arm for some of these agencies who hadn't got that expertise in-house. And, you know, they weren't able to move as quick and nimbly as we could. And so that agency grew and obviously we could make better margins then in our media agency. And we were like at the forefront, we were one of the first three, I think, programmatic agencies in the UK. And that's the one that kind of really took off. And yeah, basically that one grew.
0: And you exited that one as well. So when, how did that come about? When did that happen?
1: That came about two years after we sold Jack Media, maybe even less than that, maybe 18 months to two years. Ed was working there. I basically had taken Jet Media through the sale to MCNC I'd been doing some consultancy and then basically they were approached by a bigger network who wanted to buy them because what they were doing was complementary so they approached GDM they were basically acquiring lots of businesses and they acquired us and obviously I wasn't working I just had my shareholding so I wasn't involved in the earnout but my business partner and Quite a lot of the team were involved, and in. I think it was like a year or two years earn out on that.
0: Did they approach you, yeah, or were you looking for a buy They approached no. you, okay? No, no,
1: they approached us. I think, and um, we got introduced actually through one of our contacts. Through what? So Ed, my business partner, was leading on that one. I'm pretty sure. In fact, I know that we got introduced by a contact. So I think the people that bought us, Judy, um, what are they called. Because the business that bought us has since either gone under or had a management buyout and is called something totally different. And so has um, MC&C who bought us. They're now called the Kite Factory or something. But we were introduced. So they were looking to basically, they didn't just acquire us. I think they acquired another company as well. But they were looking to acquire a company. So they were obviously just reaching out to people in the industry. And Ed knew this guy. And so basically, he introduced us to them. And it was like super easy. I was working at Google at the time for a very short stint of time and I just got a call to say we're selling the business it's like we've been approached and we've got a really good deal so I mean I, by that not I didn't care I did care because I had my shares but I, I wasn't involved in the day-to-day business I was like I wasn't even a director at that point I just had my shareholding of 30% from obviously setting up at the beginning
0: okay you look so, confused
1: and this whole podcast is well, no totally it's just confused.
0: It, it, no, no 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 it's just it's just really <laughs> fascinating it's just it's just the approach I think because I think so many yeah, people sort of chaotic. found that. Their- people found their agencies and they put everything into it and they work on it for 20, 25 years. But it seems like your approach has always been found something, get yourself out of the day-to-day as quickly as possible and find a buyer.
1: Well, I think what I was going to say is my business partner was, he's great, but he's driven by making good exit. That was always on his agenda. I didn't even know about exits. I didn't even Know about selling businesses, you know, I just kind of thought probably like a lot of people like you just run a business and that's your income. I didn't know that you do it for an exit, which is two very different things, isn't it and sometimes I wish that we hadn't had an exit because then I'd still be running you know potentially be running a really great agency or two agencies, and I loved employing people and I loved all those things, so in a way, maybe sometimes I think I wish I hadn't had an exit because I could have probably ended up long term with more money and a fun role. But anyway, my business partner knew about exits and that's what he always wanted was to exit business, make good money. And so I was kind of like led by him and obviously benefited from his knowledge about that.
0: So the GDM sale, what were the, I know that you were just a shareholder at that point, but can you remember what the,
1: yeah, yeah. So we got 50% were. up front. So we got 50% yep. up front, 50% on completion of the earnout. And obviously there were some like agreements with that. I actually didn't get any of that last bit, the earnout. And I won't go into details why, but I didn't.
0: Was that just you personally or none of the shareholders?
1: Everyone else. The directors did. The directors I wasn't working in the business. So like so we had fifty percent up on completion of the documents, whatever. And then the people that were working in GDM, at this point it was forty people. We had offices in Germany. The key people who had shares they got the earnout, which was basically the other half. So that's kind of okay.
0: Was that just because you't weren't, you weren't active in the business anymore, or was it yeah, sort of
1: yeah, I think it was because I wasn't active in the business. I don't really know to be honest, but from my point of view, I was just happy to take we sold for seven million, so I was just happy to take my share, and I'd obviously been active in setting the business up. It was my idea to set it up as a different business and not have it under Jack Media because I could see that, you know, we needed to have that differentiation. I'd been involved, you know, in the early days, we both run both businesses. And then obviously like Ed was more passionate about GDM and I was just like, I didn't know so much about GDM. So, and I was running much more of the operations of both businesses. So I just took over um, Jack Media, but we both kept our shares in both businesses. That was like, I think, eight years into Jack Media, three years into GDM, nine years into Jack Media. So we're quite far into Jack almost selling it. And when we decided we split, because it was getting too confusing. Like the staff didn't know who to go to for, do I go to Emmy or do I go to Ed? And we were almost like running. We decided it was just better for both businesses if we like split them up. We both took one and that we focused all of our energy and effort on that. we just moved offices as well. So we were like in different offices and we were trying to run them as separate businesses because we felt that that would be more valuable. And I think because of that, I wasn't involved in GDM for the last two years. I stepped down from my directorship. And so whilst I kept my shares, I didn't really have a huge amount of say in the sale or what happened with the earn out or that kind of stuff. So I got my money up front, but I didn't get the earn out, but everyone else did.
0: Who was the other shareholder? There was you, Ed, and was there my someone business else?
1: partner was Ed. My business partner was Ed, and then our non-exec director had some shares, and then I think there was a couple of other people, but essentially it's like me and Ed were like the main shareholders.
0: While I've got you here, I just wanted to let you know a little bit about me. After having acquired a TV commercials production company earlier this year, I'm currently doing a roll-up in the video production space and I'm looking for production companies to join my group. If you don't think you're quite there yet i'm also spending some of my time advising smaller businesses on business growth and exit planning so if you want to chat to me about that drop me a line on linkedin here endeth the advert okay and what was the third business then that you set up
1: the third business was i mean we actually had another one we actually had four, but that was tiny but the third so, GDM was the third. So, we had Gaming Alerts, which was the one we wanted to Then We had Jack, which failed. We had Jack Media, which was our media agency, which was the, which would I would say the, the slow and steady one, which was basically always paying us dividends, always paying us good money, paying all of the costs and would allow us to incubate other businesses. And then GDM came out of that. And then we had a business called Mercer Media, which was, an, again, something we set up overnight. We were living on Mercer Street, I think. And we set that up overnight. and basically. This was at the time when Groupon was huge and they weren't doing any marketing. They weren't doing any affiliate marketing. They were relying on affiliates and media suppliers or whatever to do their marketing for them. And we just ended up making a lot of money out of that. We basically spent a lot of money on media and we generated a lot of revenue. And that, I think, lasted like a year and a half or something. And then I think Groupon decided to do their marketing in-house or something like that. But we were their biggest affiliate at the time.
0: And you did a solvent liquidation. So, you just wound up. We just liquidated it
1: because, yeah, exactly. Because that opportunity had finished. It was totally different to Jack Media. It was totally different to GDM. It was a separate business. So, we just took that money out. We actually made a million quid in a year, a million pounds profit in, I think, 14 months or something.
0: That's amazing. That was you and Ed again.
1: Yeah, me and Ed. And then the last little thing we did was we set up an online casino, but I was just like, I'm not into this. That was like our background, but I had no love or no passion for that. And we were just always tweaking little things and testing little things. I think Ed was really keen to do that. I was also keen to do it. I loved it. You know, I'm like an entrepreneur. I love doing new ideas and stuff, but it was so easy to do it. And I think when you've got a business that's making money, that's paying your salaries, that you have no worries, it's very easy to just put a little bit of money and test some projects out on the side and see if they stick. And that's what we did. So anytime we saw a new opportunity, like with Groupon, like with GDM, we just do that. And I'm sure we had projects that we tested out that didn't work. So for example, we set up an office in Australia for Jack Media and it didn't work, but that's fine. We just did a little test. It probably cost us 20, 30 grand. I think we hired someone out there for four months or five months and didn't work out. So we just closed it down, set one up in Germany, it worked, keep it going. So we're just constantly doing what, people these days doing startups which is test and tweak and have a hypothesis except we weren't anywhere near that organized we just think in our heads oh let's do this and see what happened and and, you know it would either work or not work
0: it's very impressive you make it sound easy
1: well i mean the thing is i don't think we took any of it i think because we were so lucky that our first that's what i mean like having jet media where our clients were prepaying us we're always cash flow positive we're like doing really well we were like we had that real niche you know like we didn't know that you had to niche down we didn't know that it was good to become experts but that gave us the fundamentals of understanding business so like we understood business we understood how everything worked we had accountants we had all the best like team around us so it was just it was easy to set something up on the side because it wasn't like we was it wasn't like you know when you start a business and you're like you don't know anything and you've got to find the right finance people and legal people and tech you know we had all that then it would just be like oh let's just test this out and then no biggie if we lost 10 grand because we were running a successful business that was keeping the wheels turning
0: are you still working with ed then or how how how,
1: how does it all finish ed and my husband are best friends that's how i met my husband so Ed and I set up the business. Then I met Alex through Ed and then got married to him, which obviously not ideal. Um, getting married to your business partner's best friend, but it's fine. Ed, obviously we parted on good ways. The idea always was to sell the business. And looking back, I realized that I was incredibly lucky to work with Ed because he was very driven. He always, always did his fair share of the work. It was just a total coincidence that we were very complimentary. Like my background is economics, accounting, law. I love numbers. I love people. Didn't know that. And I sort of had a bit of a marketing background and we were running a media agency and Ed was like 100% focused on media. He was really good with the team, but he didn't, you know, that was my passion. I loved like taking on interns and placement students and looking after them and helping people grow. You know, that was my big love. And I was super on it with all the finance stuff as well. So like I knew all about the money and where it was coming. And at one point, I think we were trading six different currencies and we were making a hundred grand a year in interest and stuff like that. You know, we had a million quid in interest accounts paying us 10%. And we were making money. I was making money on exchange rates and stuff because we were buying media throughout Europe. So like I looked after all of that and then Ed looked after all of the sort of media side of things. So we were really complimentary that we both had these totally different skills he did that stuff, I did that stuff. And, you know, we hadn't obviously talked all that through when we were drunk and at this award ceremony and said, What are you good at? And what are you good at? It was just a total coincidence. And then, you know, I think we did obviously have arguments, quite a few. We didn't see eye to eye with a lot of things. But that's why it was really good when we went off and did our sort of separate things, because then it's almost like you're in charge of that one, you do that, I'm in charge of this one. You know, not having to like constantly ask each other, What do you think about this? Are you in agreement? Are you not in agreement? And then Edward, one thing and I think another thing and we'd come at loggerheads Um, we did have a non-exec director for that reason which was really good so Ed and I are still connected he's got six kids I've got four we're both you know <laughs> his him and Alex still we'll see each other Ed's actually set up Ed's actually working in VC now he set up a VC for impact led businesses which is amazing because I'm now working with female founders and um, I think I did set up, a. I did have a very short stint after this and I set up a business with someone very, it only lasted a few months. And that made me look back and think, actually, you know what, Ed was kind of quite a good business partner. I think all business partners are going to argue. We barely knew each other. I mean, literally barely knew each other and set a business up together. And we managed to cobble together for 10 years without any big, massive upsets. So yeah, it was all good. And We made money, we had an exit, and we were both happy. So I think it was good. I mean, it was good for me anyway.
0: Yeah. So tell me, so the female founders rise is your. tell me a bit about that. That's your... That's
1: my new project. Yeah. So basically, after I sold my businesses, didn't know what to do, which, you know, I think why that guy was saying always have a couple of businesses on the go is really, really weird when you sell your business, you know, like you literally don't know what to do and you don't have anything to do. And people don't talk about that. They talk about this big exit, get all the money. And then you're like, you've got loads of money and you're like, I don't know what to do. What I would recommend doing is angel investing because that's what I found in the last year. So I have invested 70 grand in the last year into slightly more, actually, 25 female founders. So I just made really small investments, um, some a grand or two grand, some 10 grand. And a lot of the time, it's not really the money. It's more that I just want to support them on their journey so I can introduce them to other investors or I can support them with their marketing. So that's one thing I've been doing. And then the other thing was I have set up this community for female founders because, obviously, I'm sure you know, there's a big difference about the way that things are for female founders. I have been a female founder. I totally get it. I just get being a founder, you know, like I think being a founder, so there's a huge challenge to being a founder. It's all encompassing overwhelming amazing scary you know like you just can't ever switch off and so I think you know that's one of the things I bring to it is that I am a founder I'm an exit founder I've got experiences I want to help and support other women and it there just seems to be a massive need for it because we've got 2,000 women more than that who've joined and it's only been going for a year
0: it's incredibly inspiring and it's very impressive and yeah I think just I said it before from my experience of founders and my own experience really it's just it's a long hard slog and it can be really hard to make money and it can take years and
1: yeah I agree I think Jet Media showed us that so like we were paying ourselves really good salaries we were paying ourselves quite a lot of money and dividends every six months we were leading a nice life but we were very lucky in that we were like the only agency in our niche. So we were the only agency that understood gambling at a time when poker, online poker, online bingo, and everything was booming. All our clients prepaid us. So we were in a different position to like a lot of agencies. We weren't just setting up another agency where you were getting paid 30 days after you did your work and you were competing with every other agency out there, all of whom were doing really good work as well. So I think that niche thing that we hadn't realized at the time We hated only working with gambling clients because we weren't really that interested in it. But in a way, that was the benefit, I suppose, that we had our USP over any other agency.
0: Yeah. With Female Founders Rise, what's the sort of uh, event program support that you provide for your 2000 members?
1: Just finalizing that all the time, tweaking it all the time, finding out what they need. But um, we do lots of in-person events because they're really popular. So we've got a big event with Google. We've just announced today that Lloyd's is sponsoring that. So that's amazing. Within a year, we've already got support from big corporates, which we really need because a lot of what we do is free or very accessible. Um, so we're doing a big event with Google. That's 200 female founders that are raising. So we're bringing everyone together for a day of like workshops, panel discussions, masterclasses with experts and female founders, networking. So that's like a big thing, which everyone loves. Then we do targeted events. So we've got one on Thursday for health and wellbeing founders. So anyone in service, tech or product to come together, we've got a trends forecasting session and then strategic collaborations. So Female Founders Rise is a lot about trying to form collaborations, partnerships to support each other, also opening doors and helping each other because there's like 2000 incredible women building amazing businesses, many of whom, you know, I know you've invested in one of them. Um, But many of whom are doing great things and they've all got connections, you know, they've got connections to VCs, they've got connections to investors. Some of them have done totally different jobs before. And so we do in-person events, we do lots of masterclasses, masterclasses around raising. We had a brilliant one recently with May, who runs a company called Eric, where she was talking about the benefit of taking angel investors over VCs and that we had 80 people turn up to that, which is amazing. So just things like that, which is like really inspirational and for women to see that they can get funding, they can run long-term, profitable, sustainable businesses with or without VC. And then we have weekly newsletter where we send lots of resources and support. We have a WhatsApp where we broadcast opportunities, like funding opportunities or just stuff that's really useful, curate like the best information that's out there. And yeah, that's kind of it. It's all about connection, support with fundraising, business fundamentals, and then the sort of inspiration piece where it's like showing women what's possible, what other women are doing, but also highlighting women doing amazing things.
0: And what's the business model for you? Is it sort of sponsorships and membership dues?
1: Yeah. So basically it started off as a passion project. So there wasn't a business model. It was just like I basically was ill um, to cut a long story short and then I sort of changed my whole life and I decided I was going to do my angel investing and I thought I'm just going to set this up. It's been this idea I've had for ages and you know I didn't expect it to turn into 2,000 people wanting stuff all the time and big events. So the business model at the moment is we get people paid to come to events but they're super accessible so it's really like very low fees and we get um, sponsors so that's why it's great. We just got Lloyd's um, and we obviously will be looking for more. But this is like our first big sponsor because actually I've been really focused not on that, but on the community and like what does the community need? What do they want? What's missing? Actually listening to them and building something that they want rather than trying to do it. the Because I haven't been desperate for cash. So I've really tried to build it with the members in mind. And I think we will charge membership at some point, but I don't know. That's kind of one that I'm struggling with a bit and don't know how I'm going to do that. Because the main thing with Female Founders Rise is that it should be accessible to everyone. So we don't want to put things in place, barriers in place. Um, and already with things like the events, we have three places. So 10% of our places try to be around 10% for underrepresented female founders. So yeah, it's all in work in progress. Who knows? The universe is deciding and I'm just letting it happen. Very nice. And
0: knowing you, is this the only this thing you've got going thing. on? Okay, yeah. Okay. This
1: is, this is the only thing. So I was doing consultancy before and I've given all of that up. I've got a tiny, tiny, tiny client who's super easy and lovely and fits in, you know, to the early stage ecosystem. But essentially within all of that, what we've missed out, which is a very long story is I, well, not a very long story, but I was ill for 18 months with like long COVID and a breakdown. So it's kind of taught me that I just need to do not the bare minimum, but keep everything very low key. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing with Female Founders Rise. It's totally taking off and it could be huge, but I have to like remind myself that I need to just not do too much. So at the moment, it's definitely Female Founders Rise. That's my core focus.
0: Amazing. Brilliant. Thank you very much for listening to the Exit Plan podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review to help other people find us. If you're wondering what's next for you and your business and want to chat about an exit plan, connect with me on LinkedIn.